Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. Here we study the Bible and uh, we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we've done 25 books of the Bible. If you've not listened to the podcast we've done straight from the book, of Genesis, I ask you to please visit all podcast platforms, Podbin, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. You can also visit our website, Bible In-Depth Network. You'll find everything there. It's a one-stop center all about the network. You can find the podcast there. Find the radio there. You'll find the live stream, prayer live stream 24-7. You'll find kids' publications that you can be able to use for your children You'll find everything, and uh, I believe the Lord shall bless you and speak to you even as you listen. And you can also write to us and uh, get in touch with us in case of anything or any testimony, whatever it is that you want, you can please get in touch to us and write to us through com. Now, we are handling the book of Ezekiel. We are taking a road of history. And uh, it's a history class of sorts, but an important one for us to learn about Israel. Yeah, before the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 comes to fulfillment, as we shall see, it's key for us to know what happened in the land of Israel from the time they left that captivity of Ezekiel up until today. And uh, the Bible gets a bit silent on events that happened in Israel after those prophets. And uh, we try to get into that briefly summary of years through the centuries, what happened, uh, so that we know when we get to that prophecy of Ezekiel 38, what has happened before and what is going to come after that. So we started on that. And uh, yesterday we closed off when there is a rebellion that is starting called the Maccabean Revolt. Of course, what causes it, the Seleucids we saw are in power. They took over from the Ptolemies uh, in the region of Israel. And they started well, but they got uh, a bit uh, funny along the way. And with the Romans also starting to rise, they started to inflict heavy taxes on the Seleucids because they they went to and, and, and fought Antiochus, and really he was not strong anymore. So he started to pay tribute to them, which tribute Antiochus sends down to the people he conquered, or people he had authority over, and they would pay it. So it was high taxes right there in Israel. And uh, we left off yesterday seeing Antiochus IV making sure the Greek ways and Greek culture and Greek system, although it's being repelled by the Orthodox Jews, those who are staunch, um, the Hasidim movement, to be specific, he says, I'll teach you a lesson. And he says, you, you Jews shall not circumcise anymore. He's going to their law and picking things that were told to them that they should do. He says, you shall not circumcise anymore. He tells them you shall not celebrate the Sabbath anymore. Yeah? He tells them you shall offer sacrifices to pagan gods, not to your God. Yeah? 
he goes ahead and rededicates the temple of Jerusalem to the supreme god, the Greek god, Olympias, Zeus. And that's where things go bad because the Jews are like, you're joking. You can't play with us. So he got so extreme and now there broke out a revolt from 16... Uh, 6 to 160 uh, BC, known as the Maccabean Revolt. And there's a family that led this revolt. It's called the the Hasmonean family. And this dynasty, as we shall see, and uh, in this family, there was an elder. His name was Matatius. And for him, on one specific day, after this order comes out from Antiochus IV, He says, for me, I will not sacrifice to pagan gods. He rebels, this man from this family. Yeah? The Hasmoneans, sometimes known as the Maccabees, because the revolt comes from their name. And he says, for me, I shall not sacrifice to the pagans you're telling me to sacrifice to. Now, it so happens he sees a Jew who has complied. So he strikes down that Jew. He says, why do you comply? After striking him down, he knows it's time for trouble, for what he has done, so he runs off. He flees, and that's where the conflict started. Many people decide to join Matatias. They go with him. They say, let's go with him, because this man has started something that's going to help us deliver our nation back into our hands. Remember, they have a promise of being free of dwelling in their nation with safety. But from the past years after Babylon, still they're under control of other powers who are also inflicting trouble towards them. So people join him. His family members, of course, join him. And also the Hasidim movement. Yeah, the one that uh, earlier was being a trouble, a pain to Antiochus. They join him. This took uh, something of a classy war, a war of class, because the poor mostly went to join him. The rich were always comfortable. Oh, they've raised the taxes, we can still pay them. They never got so much into this issue. So when this revolt is happening, it's more or less a class issue, the rich versus the poor. Yeah. So Matatius runs off, he gets people to follow him. Unfortunately, he dies soon in uh, 166 BC, and his son Judas Maccabus takes over. And Judas is considered as a war genius. They loved him. He was a, a, a strong man. He fought well. Even those who were to come after him were picking a leaf from him. So Judas Maccabus becomes the new leader of this revolt, the Hasmonean dynasty or the Hasmonean family, yeah, taking the lead. And what happens for him is he's lucky. He gets support from these Hasidic followers, from the Hasidic movement, and they start to fight everyone who took on the Greek ways, took on the Greek policy, took on the Greek pagan sacrifices. They started to come after them. Why are you accepting? Now, you see that this revolt is happening and they're also killing their own Jews, their fellow Jews, because they're saying we cannot accept. Do not accept. Do not go and accept 
these tendencies of Hellenism. So, constantly, they start fighting. They start going out. They start rebelling. And uh, they also didn't just go on those who were uh, agreeing to the Greek policies, but they attacked the Seleucid army. And they fought the Seleucid army. They went ahead and came after them. Yeah, those who are their captors. And in 164 BC, successfully, they recaptured Jerusalem and they had their temple reconsecrated because remember it had been taken over by the Seleucids. Now they have it taken and reconsecrated. And that's a victory to the Jews at the point. Yeah, they feel they have conquered, they feel they've taken back. Authority. Now, Judas makes a treaty with the Romans because the Romans are on. So, Judas Maccabah says, if I'm going to be safe, I need to have the Romans on my side. This will help me have safety from the Seleucids. Remember, the Ptolemies are not out of the picture yet. They are still there. So, if I have these with me, I shall be safe. So, what happens? He goes, makes a treaty with the Romans, and now Jews have some bit of liberty and autonomy with them that has come from this Hasmonean revolt, from this Maccabus uh, family. And uh, what gets challenging for him is he cannot take on the title of high priest as Judas because he's not in the Zadok line. So he picks Eliakim, take office of high priest. Eliakim, of course, he has some tendencies of the Greeks, but uh, it with all that now happening, the wrangles between uh, a high priest that has been selected, who does not, uh, who still has some beliefs in the Greeks, uh, they die around the same time. Judas and Eliakim. Now Judas is succeeded by his brother, Jonathan. Jonathan is also not in the line of the high priests. Remember that. He's also just from the Hasmonean family. He's not a Zadokite. But now, he takes over leadership from his brother, Judas, and for him he says, I shall be a high priest. He's, he just takes over, he's, he's like he steals the high priesthood, even if it's not in his line. And uh, still, with the conflicts that are happening with the Seleucids, he fights, he dies in war. And then their last surviving brother, whose name is Simon, succeeds. And this one intensified the fight with the Seleucids. And he finally forced them out of Judea. This was a success. The Maccabean revolt, as we read, is the only successful revolt in defense of religion that ancient history has ever seen and has ever provided. These guys fought concerning religion. They took over and they overcome their captors. So that was great news for them. That was uh, a victory for the people of Judea. And for the first time in over 450 years, these people, these Jews, have got some autonomy for themselves. Thanks to the Hasmonean family. Thanks to the Maccabean revolt. Thanks to the man Matthias who started it all. And now he led a dynasty. He brought forward a Hasmonean dynasty that was going to last and help the people of Israel. Simon now, remember he's the one who has uh, finally given the last blow to the Seleucids in their nation. And he's now also high priest 
these guys took over the high priesthood. It was no longer now in the line of the Zadokites. They stole it practically. So, even when we are studying about high priests today, when we are reading the Bible, it's key for us to go in history and know how how was this uh, issue moving. Because at one point, it now became, uh, it was stolen from the right channels. I wonder how these people would even enter the Holy of Holies because they were not in line. I wonder if actually the presence of God was still with them in the Holy of Holies because these guys were mafias. They were warlords. They were fighting. They had blood on them. How would they enter and uh, get to the holiest place? That is something we shall one day discuss and see. How could they do that? Did they even reach there? Because we saw of high priests that would be killed in the Holy of Holies just because they were not pure enough. Now, this Hasmonean f- uh, dynasty of family was a bit secular. Mm, it wasn't so much spiritual. And that we, we will see. Or we see that it brought trouble with the Hasidic followers. Remember for them, with the, their Hasidic movement, it was staunch. They were godly people. And this secular uh, culture that the Asmonian family had eventually brought a division between them and uh, the Hasidic movement. But they've got their victory. They've achieved something. They, ha- they can be happy. And Simon is now the high priest and also an ethnarch. He gives himself that title of ethnarch, which means a ruler of an ethnos or a ruler of a nation. Yeah, He says, I'm now the ruler of Israel. And that is the season now that they are all in. Of course, it's some season of peace, but they're following the Torah as we see them. But still, that doesn't imply that you don't have divergence of views and opinions. They still exist. And with these divergence of views, we see a rise of three groups of people. These are people that uh, we normally read of and know of today yeah and uh we read about them in the time of jesus but they rose in this period in the 160 bc before christ that is when they come and i will go through them briefly here today and you know them they come during the time of uh, the hasmonean dynasty yeah the first group these are the sadducees if you remember those in the Bible, when we read in the time of Jesus, the Sadducees, this was a small group of rich and influential men. Yeah, this one was; these guys were wealthy. They had their money. Yeah, they were influential men. They were landowners. Yeah, they were the priests that would follow in line, and they were in control of the temple. Yeah, the Sadducees. For them, they were mostly concerned about temple rituals and issues. They were not concerned about this interpretation, the explanation of scripture, the, explama- the, the, the commentary that was explaining the laws. They didn't have so much interest in that. For them, they were keeping plain and keeping to the law. And as it is, they're also running the affairs in the temple. And something major about them, they dismissed those issues of the end of the world. For them, they never believed in that, that there will be an end of the world. Mm-mm. They didn't take that. And uh, also, the Jews detested them greatly because they considered them as Hellenistic. They considered them that they loved the, the Greeks, uh, of course, because they were the rich ones. Yeah. So the Jews, 
the people didn't really like them that much. Those were the Sadducees. Then, the second group, the one that we know of most and read of most during the time of Jesus, was the Pharisees. The Pharisees, for them, they were mainly in the middle class. They were people of the middle class. Yeah, they were in the origin of the middle class people. And these come from, uh, this word Pharisees came from the word of separated. And this shows you their intention because their intention was to withdraw from everything that is sinful and unclean. That we knew about them. They didn't want anything unclean close to them. So the word separated all Pharisee is coming from there. We have to be pure. We don't want any sin close to us. And they rise from about the time that they Hasidim and the Asmonian get their conflicts because, as I said, the Hasmonian were quite secular. And uh, that is how the Pharisees come and say, you know, Hasidim, we need to work together. They even start to fund the Hasidim uh, to make sure that they get rid of the Asmonians because these people were very secular and now the Pharisees were too staunch. Yeah? And they objected greatly. Remember Nathan, who's, uh, Jonathan, rather, who stole the high priesthood. They were very angry about that, these Pharisees. Yeah? So, they were not giving it room. They said, this is not in the priestly line. Remember, for them, their things have to be straight. Yeah? And something about them as well, they always advocated for being submissive to the will of God, even if it means that you have to endure worldly injustice, even if you have to endure persecution, keep focused. Don't object. So it's like for them, they were like, "Mm -mm, our leaders, our leaders, we don't fight them. And uh, they had another belief that they would return to the earth uh, later on, resurrected, and in bodily form, although they believed that uh, in this end, as it's been written of in the other books, it won't be one that is violent with up, uh, up, up, upheavals that are all over the world and fighting on the last day. No, for them, they believed it is going to be a peaceful process. And um, unlike these Sadducees who focused on the temple, the Pharisees for them, they focused on the synagogues. Remember, the synagogues were growing in number in Israel at the time. And for them, they didn't put a lot of the activity in the temple, no. They left the temple to the rich Sadducees, and for them, they went into the synagogues, the many synagogues, and that's where they used to be. That's where they used to teach. Yeah, And uh, they had their agents or their assistants, whom we also read of in the Bible, known as scribes. These were also known as the other name for them were professional lawyers. Yeah? Those were the agents of the Pharisees. Those were the assistants of the Pharisees. And these formed an intellectual elite group. Yeah? For the scribes, they were elite, intellectual. They decided what life they would conduct in all practical details, what to put into the prescriptions of the law in everyday life. And we saw that uh, they they would write down the details, be explaining everything about the law, the details of each law, yeah? Shouldn't do this, this, this. They add matter to it. They add body to a law. 
And that was come about by these professional lawyers called the scribes. And of course, they were playing a key part in the Sanhedrin, and in the, which was their legislative and religious body. So they were working directly under the Pharisees. And the third group that arose during that season, in that time, are called the Essenes. Now, these ones didn't know the Pharisees in purity. These ones were a notch higher. The Essenes uh, founded a bit later, around 140 to 130 before Christ. And for them, they are a bit similar to the Pharisees, but they take it a notch higher. First, they don't desire to clash with any political power because they had this saying, no one rules except by Yahweh's will. No one comes into authority except by the will of God. Mm. And we know that a lot even today. We say it a lot. that All authority comes from God, which is true. That was the essence. That's what they used to say for them. No, we don't object with the Greeks. We don't object with the Seleucids. Whatever they say is what we do. Yeah? And for them, they maintain that they are the only true representatives of the highly priestly kingdom. Of course, they opposed Jonathan's priesthood. Yeah? That which he created, that the Hasmonean family should take on the priesthood, even if they are not in the line of the Zadokites, the line of Aaron. No. For them, they said, we don't agree with that. They also didn't believe in bodily resurrection, but they had that Greek belief, yeah? That doctrine of immortality of the soul. That's for them what they believed in. They withdrew. They decided we get out of this high-end society and all that. And they went to semi-monastic communities. And they were devoting time to observe the Torah in detail. Where they are, where they would take themselves away from the group. And those who wanted to convert, you come and join us in our life far off. And there they observed the Torah from there. They are also believed to have produced or written the Dead Sea Scrolls. You remember those Dead Sea Scrolls that were found, the different books, yeah, including several books that I may not talk about here, but if you read about the Dead Sea Scrolls, those are believed to have been written down by these sinners. And uh, for them, they believed they alone were the members of the new covenant that was prophesied by Jeremiah. They were perfectionists. They took everything to the detail. They followed everything to the detail. They didn't want to make any errors. That is what their sins were. So you have these three groups that are in the time of the Hasmonean dynasty. And these are now fighting internally about religion. And each had their beliefs. It's not so much different from today anyway. Because even now, in the Christian world, everyone has their doctrine. Everyone says, follow me. Everyone says, I'm the right one. Everyone says, the other ones are wrong. And all that is not new, really. It has existed before. So that is the life, the religious life, under the time of the Hasmonean dynasty, in the time where they've picked some peace. In 135 before Christ, Simon... That man who brought deliverance to the Jews from the Seleucids in their territory is assassinated. And he dies. And Antiochus the seventh comes and takes over the Jewish state again. He reconquers 
state. But he also dies soon. And um, in 129, Simon's son, I takes over their independence. Once again, he brings back their national independence. Haikanas, he made sure that he maintains what his forefathers did, his earlier leaders of the dynasty. He makes sure he keeps relations with the Romans. Why? If we have relations with the Romans, we won't get attacks from the Seleucids, from the Ptolemies, we shall be safe. So he renews the Roman treaty. And he even takes it a notch higher. He goes and annexes uh, the territories of Samaria. He takes over the territories of Galilee. He takes over the territories of Edomia. Now we will read more about the Edomians because that's where Herod eventually comes from. So Hyrcanus, the good warlord, annexes territories. Samaria is in his hands. Galilee is in his hands. Edomia is in now, he disliked the Samaritans so much. Reason, they wanted to be like an independent state. But remember, Samaria is, that's the region of the Ten Lost Tribes. So those also have high Jewish uh, interest. They should be having it. Because they are Jews, though they were intermixed, but they are Jews. Yeah, And he's angry with them. He's saying, you didn't come to support us in the Maccabean Revolt. Yeah, you didn't help us in the Asmonian fight that we had over the Seleucids. So he's not happy with them, and he decides to go and raise their shrine on Mount Gerizim to the ground, and he destroyed their town of Samaria. That's what Hyrcanus does, and that brings about the conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans that was going to be almost eternal. Remember, in the time of Jesus when they are talking about the Samaritans, the parables of the Samaritans, how did they get so much hatred with these Jews? It's because of this act that Hyrcanus did, burning down their temple at Mount Gerizim. Remember, there was always conflict. People were saying, the Samaritans were saying, no, we are supposed to worship at Mount Gerizim. That is the center that Moses was. That is every, where everything happened. But then the Jews were saying, no, we worship at Jerusalem. So you had two temples, the temple at Gerizim and the temple at Jerusalem, and both groups, the Samaritans, those of the lost tribes, those who are intermixed, they said, for us, we don't come to Jerusalem. We worship at Mount Gerizim. Then the Jews, for them, are saying, like, you're doing something false. You're falsely worshiping. You need to come to Jerusalem. So there was always a, a rift. What Hyrcanus does, he builds it further, builds the rift further by burning down the temple at Jerusalem. That caused the trouble between the Jews and the Samaritans forever in that region. Because even up to the time of Jesus, if you read and remember well, the Samaritans and the conflict, and that woman who was saying, for us we worship on, the, on that mount, no. All that conflict starts with Hyrcanus. He burns down their temple. And now they will hate each other, they will torment each other, they will haunt each other, the Samaritans and the Jews forever because of what this high priest or leader from the Hasmonean dynasty, Hyrcanus, the son of Simon, does. Now, in Edomia, because remember they also go and conquer there, he forces them to worship, Jews, get into Jewish religion, worship, enter Judaism, get circumcised. So he is spreading the 
issue of Judaism and their rule all over the place. Of course, when he goes, he dies, his brother, Janius Alexander, takes over. That is 103 to 76 before Christ. And for him, when he comes, he assumes the title of king. He calls himself king and also he's still a high priest. These are events in Israel and they will help us. It's good for us to know what happened before this prophecy of Ezekiel 38 comes to pass. So the Hasmonean dynasty took charge of that place. Of course, even when Janius came, he established authority. He grew their kingdom. And for the first time since Solomon, the the people of Israel had a wide um, area of influence because they went annexing kingdoms. And uh, of course, calling himself king didn't go well, very well with most people because even the Pharisees and all those other groups were saying, no, now you're bringing down our authority yeah, that we have of the Sanhedrin. You're reducing our authority. And these Pharisees who never wanted to cause chaos for the first time, they will abandon that virtue of peace and revolt against this Alexander Genius. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't succeed as the Pharisees because many Pharisees died in that revolt. And uh, Alexander also dies and his widow, Salome, succeeds him. Of course, he comes back to please the Pharisees again. He reverses the policies that had been done by the husband. He treats the Pharisees in favor. Yeah, and uh, of course, being a woman, he she couldn't become high priest, so she gets the son, John Hynacus II, to become high priest. But he was weak even after she dies that he becomes the king or the leader then. Hyacinthus Hy- Hy- II is a bit weak, and that starts the fall of the Hasmonean dynasty. It falls down, and it's about that time that Rome, in 63 before Christ, makes its intentions much more clearer and makes its move much more robust. Because with Rome now on the rise, the world was going to change and switch from the Greek dynasty, from the Greek empire to now a Roman empire. And that's when where we'll start from when we return next time with 63 before Christ and how Rome comes into power and it's the Romans that totally removed the Jewish nation as we shall see because when they came they even at one point stopped them from being a nation and made them a province that begins the end of the Jews to totally take them off the map up until 1948 when the nation is established and given a slot in the Middle East. Now we shall start from there next time looking at the Romans back in charge and uh, we shall take this study to help us looking into history, looking into what happened to the Jews before we look at that prophecy of Ezekiel 38 because when we go to that prophecy all these people that have been fighting the Jews since the ancient times, people that have been a problem to the Jews since ancient time we will find and locate them in Ezekiel 38 prophecy that is being given. Lord we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy 
We pray that you bless us and prosper us at all times. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.